Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Varanite Delves this episode are... Josh. Yes, I am here to delve into the Red Harvest lore and excavate the secrets buried within. Hey, uh, and it's Paven. Nice. Uh, and I'm Aaron. And Varanite, you are the best thing that's ever been mined. And in this episode, we cover the lore of Red Harvest. Uh, whether you've got eight legs or two, the Varanite Delve of Krath, Krath, probably Krath. Krath who calls to all. And we're here to harvest whatever lore we can from the newest expansion of Warcry. How are you tonight, fellow aspirants? How are you guys doing? Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, really good. Really excited to record. Aaron, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, I think last time... So I know Josh was on the the Orc episode, which he made it a point to pick the episode that I wasn't on. I understand. I get it, man. No judgment. But then I think Paven, you haven't been around since the one of the, some of the Broken Realm stuff, which yeah, a whole edition ago, which uh, were essentially our best episodes, <laughs> our best, our most listened to episodes of all time. And I can't tell if it's people wanted more Broken Realms or people wanted more Paven. I, I can't tell. I need to put out a... People like Paven. He's got yeah. a lot of energy. He's got a lot of energy. Um, I'm going to have to put out a survey after the fact to see what, what, what who, who, what's more important. Broken Realms? Paven. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> but here we are today doing a fun little joint episode between uh, the story phase and Dogs of War Cry. Um, what's the point of being on the same network if you can't cross-pollinate, if you can't cross over? Um, exactly. Yeah, so I'm all... Yeah, I love it. Can't get enough of it. So um, it's a regular old team up. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like your your favorite Marvel tie-in. Yeah, it's like the, <laughs> it's like the thing and Wolverine back together again. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, man! I can't wait to see that in the MCU. I feel like any day now it's about to, about to happen. But we're not here to talk about Marvel. We're here to talk about um, Red Harvest, which is the newest expansion of Warcry, um, which we're excited to get our little hands on. And uh, furthermore, it, it, it wouldn't be a, a narrative game if there wasn't some tasty narrative hooks, um, a bit of lore packed into this book that we wanted to talk about to you fine listeners. And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, but before we do, uh, we always ask, what has everybody been up to? So let's let's get through that real quick. Um, Josh, in the hobby, what have you been doing lately? Uh, lately, I've been assembling my Dark Oath Savagers for Warcry for our Circle of Paint Challenge and got them all together, got them based today. And uh, then I'll need to do some priming and start working on some color schemes. Awesome. Have you done any Dark Oath stuff before? Will this be the first Dark Oath? I've had Entry. a Slaves of Darkness war brand, but um, I didn't paint up any of them yet. So so this would be the first time I'm playing with these particular models and painting them. Oh, very cool. Very neat. Uh, and Paven, what you've been doing? I have been, uh, like Josh, working on the other half of the Red Harvest box set, the Tyrantulus Blue Rood, uh, if I am pronouncing it correctly. Uh, yeah, so I have all 10 of those guys assembled. I'm going to try to, uh, you know, in my hubris, I'm going to try to batch paint all 10 out at the same time. And I'm through the skin, I'm through the spider silk, and now I'm just kind of working on different uh, leathers and robes and spider bits. Nice, nice. I'm all, in addition, I am working on a brand new um, Blazing Lord kitbash for my Signs of the Flame War Band because uh, my last Blazing Lord was assassinated. Uh, through treachery and violence. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so did you have to just smash it and like, you got, that's why you need yeah. a new one? <laughs> you, yeah. When my miniatures die in the game, they die in real life. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. It's like <laughs> the Matrix. 
<laughs> Very cool. Um, How about you, Aaron? How, what, what have you been up to? Um, hey, Josh, I'm glad you asked what I've been working on. I've been assembling the, uh, what are they called? Storm Drake guard models. And Ooh, yes. So uh, these dudes have been, uh, have been, I'm trying to think, have, have been the apple of my eye ever since the Stormcast book came out. I think hands down my favorite uh, new models, new kits that have come out with this new 3.0 range, the Thunderstrike uh, version of Stormcast. And uh, so very, very fortunate that GW had sent us a, a handful of things and I was lucked out in getting my hands on these uh, Stormdrake Guard and they're uh, tons of fun. I've assembled one of them already. Uh, it, it's just it's just a really cool really cool model. In fact, don't quote me on this, but I may even paint them. Whoa. I know. Wrap your mind around that. Um, take pictures. Yeah, I, they have such a good Dragonlance vi- vibe to them. Yes, I, am, uh, I might be picking up some myself. Uh, What's worse is I didn't. <laughs> I've been asking around, and everybody says swords are better, so I didn't oh. put lances on them, even though yeah, the lances look. I I had the I had a queued up uh, uh, a, a book cover of the Legend of Huma in that Discord chat, and I'm like, yes. oh, it's been too long, and it's kind of a non sequitur. I'm not doing anyways. You got to put the dragon, the dragons with uh, the guys with lances on the dragons because dragon lance. Yeah, they look so cool. The lances definitely look better. Hands down, no question. But like, I don't know for for whatever reason, I got hung up on the on the swords. And here we are. And I already glued. I already glued the one. Well, I don't know how to. Josh, I don't know how to do that. Okay, so. Yeah, well, just, I'll just have to buy a second box. The lenses look awesome. Um, Aaron, you're just too competitive. You're just trying to get those. Uh... <laughs> no, it's because I know, I know. You know, six years from now, when I like maybe ever put them on a table, uh, I'll look back and I'll curse um, younger, six years younger, Aaron, uh, for making the 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 aesthetics choice. Um, yeah, this, this is way off topic, but like I, in my experience, like. Um, like I always build whatever is cooler or I try to because by the time I play with it, it's usually flopped to be the like whatever was the best is usually flopped by then. That's a good uh, point. So too. Like, you know, usually you just, you know, as a, um, you know, always do the one you like think looks the coolest because that's what happened on the Maw Crusher. I built like the cooler one and then that was the better one and then it was the worst one for an edition and now it's the better one again. And I'm just like, well. Now I not want to know what is what is the good and the bad for the mock as far afield, but what is the good one and the bad one for the mock yeah, crusher? Mock crusher has two builds. One is like sword and punch and fist, which is the one I uh, uh, like, and the other is spear and knife. And I built sword and punch and fist, and I think that was better in first edition uh, Age of Sigmar. And then uh, the spear was better in second edition, and now with the new book, the sword is better again because it can <laughs> nice. make an armor save. Um, I'm looking at mine. It's literally within arm's reach. I can touch it if I want to, but I did spear and knife. But then I also have a gorge. But if you think that one looks the coolest, then it's the right choice. I think I might have. I think that's why I picked it. But then I also have, uh, going back and forth, this is going to be terrible audio. But then I also have a Gordrak who also looks super cool. So You have two Maw Crushers? I do have two Maw Crushers. My goal was at the time to get one of every uh, Iron Jaw model before I tapped into whatever my current obsession is um so yes uh two more crushers sitting right there staring at me saying paint me no probably not like that. Probably, <laughs> that's how they sound um but that is me in a nutshell uh guys how about we hop into our story phase if you don't mind sounds great all right, I'll take the place of Paul real quick, and I'll say the story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the nine realms. 
Uh, and it's a good thing that we wrote nine realms because in that this case, we are hanging out in, I guess, what some would call the ninth realm, the eight points um, where almost everything in Warcry takes place. Uh, and we're going to be chatting about this red harvest. Um, trying to think the best place to dive in. I suppose let's do, let's, let's catch everybody up. I, I don't know the last time you guys talked about it, unlike Dogs of Warcry or if, if we ever did on a story phase, but um where are we at in terms of you know what's going on in the eight points what's the story thus far here um so that we make sure that everybody's on the same page before we we, we talk about what's in this that's in this box anybody have any things that uh we're chatting about oh oh boy um all right here i have a suggestion for the group i think we should tackle this in two phases one tell me what talk about the eight points as a setting mm-hmm. two Zoom in on uh, where we like the area of the eight points we care about for Warcry, which is the Bloodwind spoil. How does that sound? I love it. Okay, great. I'll I'll kick us off. I want to talk about how, where are we today. What is the what is the eight points? So to recap, what the eight points was, the eight points was the all points, which was almost a utopian paradise during the Age of Myth, where a bunch of different cultures got together from all the realms because it was a nexus point of trade and culture and art between all of the other more, uh, mortal realms. Cause there were big stable gates going everywhere. And, um, so a giant, huge civilization, uh, flourished there. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's not, it, we used to think it was like a kind of a small Island sub realm, but it's continent wide. It is huge. Um, and so this was the seat, I believe the seat of Sigmar's power. Maybe not, maybe not, maybe that was still Azir, but it was like an incredibly important strategic and cultural asset to the old uh, order civilization. Well, uh, Age of Chaos happens, Archaon uh, comes in, wins practically, and he captures the eight points and he corrupts it, and then he bases his seat of power there, and the eight points becomes, oh, excuse me, uh, the what is the all points becomes the eight points, the eight, for the eight-pointed star of chaos, and it becomes like kind of a hell on earth, um, where the 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 skin of the realm is thin and like there's demons and uh, horrible beasts and men are devolved into you know murderers and um, they also everybody scratches out a living under the kind of tyrannical but absent rule of Archaon. So that that's that's kind of where it is at the beginning of the Age of Sigmar. Cool things that have happened since then, since Chaos uh, Complete Domination. One is the invasion of the Osiarch Bone Reapers and the and the uh, forces of death that took place in the Wrath of the Everchosen book. Um, that is where Catacros, the undefeated, uh, marches into the eight points and tries to take go as far as taking the Varen Spire. Archeon show, uh, shows back up and beats Catacross uh, back, uh, but does not kill him or kills one of his body, one of his many bodies. Uh, but Death and Nagash remain in control of the Arc Terminus, which is, is that the fort or the realm gate? It's probably, I think it's the fort. I think it's the fort it's around the realm gate. Yeah. yeah the yep. fort around yep. the realm gate in the eight points. So Death now has a foothold in the eight points. Also, um, at the end of kind of the last age at the end of the soul wars uh marathi and a storm host of uh stormcast eternals invade this part of the era eight points specifically the bloodwind spoil and steal a host of varanite out from under archaeon uh the stormcast want to do this because he was going to use varanite to corrupt the realm gate leading to azir that had been previously shut 
and use that corruption to force its way open and invade uh, Azir, the realm of heavens. Um, well, the the Marathi Stormcast Strike Force is successful. They steal the Varanite. Marathi steals it for her own uh, purposes and transforms into a god. Uh, but so that happened. It is important. And the other thing that happens in the Era of the Beasts, so the era we're currently in, is Gordrak invades the Eight Points. We don't know a lot about it, but we know he has conquered the, I don't know, that big worm that has a, uh, that has a realm gate in it, the Maw Gate. Uh, right. He captures the Maw Great in Gur and then uh, leads a force through it to also, uh, you know, kind of invade Archeon's domain. So we have all of the major factions uh, uh, present in the eight points now. So I think what was kind of before a, I don't know, a, scr- a chaos on chaos scrum has now become much more multidimensional and interesting. Um, so I think that is like the backdrop of what is going on in the eight points. Oh, one more thing I want to point out is... Bellacor has kind of turned his cold rebellion against Archaon into something a little bit more hot. Um, so you'll see Bellacor kind of uh, taking uh, taking out parts of um, Archaon's forces and leading small rebellions and taking territory for them. I don't know if that actually happens in the eight points or that's just happening wider in the realms, though. But it is like kind of another force at play. Sorry, I just talked for a super long time. Uh, anything you guys want to add in there? Anything I missed? No, no, that's perfect. Um, and I, I think it's uh, it, it's fun because it's Archeon has had the eight points secure for so long. And then, you know, in the subsequent storyline changes, now everybody's back in the eight points stirring up trouble. That's great. Um, I like it because it's, I mean, in the same way that it was sort of cross-cultural back when it was in the, the all points, now it's becoming cross-cultural again, but, you know, cross-cultural <laughs> in a sort of more of an antagonistic, uh, aggressive way. Yeah, the uh, way uh, it, World War One was cross-cultural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I already have a listener question that applies to this uh, to this topic that we're on, and I, I think I'll, I'll I'll bring it up now. Um, so, I, I, as, as Paven has shown, there's been a, been a wide range of events. Um, it, it's been an active uh, location for for a stretch now in this eight points. Um, but as it relates to Warcry, we've spent a lot of time in the eight points and and throughout the different releases that it's all sort of you know dabbling in this Bloodwind spoil space. Um, since we're talking about the past and sort of how it informs informs the the present um the last release was warcry catacombs um and so a listener in the discord thundercake he asks uh did the catacombs lore hint at uh, red harvest coming in anyway um and uh, now that we can look back and see if anything ties in so a lot of what you described is sort of much bigger picture larger lore um events uh did catacombs specifically tie into what we're tie into anything that we're seeing uh in red harvest currently do you guys have any thoughts on that yeah not really um i think the the main tie-in is that varanthax's maw is a a place a huge description about these varanite mines and harvesting processes and in that sense the red harvest is all about varanite mining and subsequent delves opening up across at least in the Bloodbend Spoils, because Varanthax's Maw was attacked and most of the Varanite was stolen. And it kind of describes the fact that lots of warlords and warbands stole equipment from Varanthax's Maw and have set up delves across other points in the Bloodbend Spoils now to try and achieve the, red, the Varanite goals that Archeon has set. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that that makes sense. And so maybe thematically it's related, but maybe there's no specific hints uh, uh, from from catacombs. And I, I agree from what I recall. Uh, but now that we're talking about the present day, we should probably jump right into the story as it exists uh, currently. What what's happening here now? Um, so Josh, you you were talking about Archeon's goals. So what's 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 going on there? So the the Red Harvest kind of describes the the fact that he's shocked, not really shocked, I guess, but uh, is having to deal with all the different factions now in the eight points and they're disrupting his plans and his processes. And um, so it describes him sending out a, a quest for all the, all the members of chaos to harvest realm stone across the realms, uh, which, which is interesting in itself because you know, his, his supply of Varanite is much reduced because Varanthax's maw has been you know, destroyed and, and it's harder to, to produce more materials. And so he sent out this call to get realm stone from other places and, and corrupt it and defile it. And it talks about a few examples like black crystal from, from Hyish instead of aether quartz. Um, and, then, and then it goes on to say, and as part of that decree, you know, a lot of the war bands and, and just powerful warlords in the eight points said, well, you know, we're just going to start up some new Varanite mines. And the book describes a couple, you know, one is specifically, but mentions two, uh, Craft the Cursed, and it mentions uh, Steel Hells is the other one. But uh, but that's essentially what's happening here is he's had this call go out, Varanthax's Maw, which is the huge supplier of Varanite, is in disrepair and has been attacked. And so now we're finding delves sprouting up across the eight points now to try and make up for that lost supply of Varanite. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the... the, the the story, or at least a fair number of the stories, are focused in on that, like that cursed crafts, um, that the, the delve. But like the idea is that the, these, this box set could be taking a place at any of these delves, right? Like the idea that you could, like, there's they're sprouting up all over the place. They're maybe not individually as productive as the mall was, but um, right. collectively, um, they uh, ideally could, you know, generate Varanite uh, in a, you know, similar amounts, hopefully, and that's sort of the goals. But in the same way that it was central, not the same way, the opposite, the opposite way, where, whereas it was centralized before, now it's very much decentralized, uh, not un, under the control of any one, you know, organization, one, you know, warlord or what have you, thus allowing for a lot more um, <laughs> conflict so right. say, across the different, you know, war bands that are uh, called the, you know, the Blood One Spoils Home. So, um, right. Right. Ripe, ripe for games and stories to be to be played there for sure. Um, Haven, anything you want to add about the, the what, what's going on currently? Um, yeah, I I, well, I just want to say it's uh, kind of Archeon's, uh command to go find uh, more of this this precious substance was called the Varanthrax Decree, and I think that's a cool name. Yeah, this is a lore lore podcast. Remind me, Varanthrax is is a god beast or just a, a big. What what I can't remember. Yep, was a god beast, um, and uh, I, I can't remember. It's dragon shaped, and, and its skeleton essentially sits on top of Varanthax's maw. Yeah, I, I, if I if I remember correctly, I think it, it that's just the name of the like mountain range where the all this Varanite was found. <laughs> um, the I don't know if they know exactly what how the how the the beast died. I think it's like kind of a lost to myth. Hmm. Furthermore, do you think it's a coincidence that Varen Thrax and the Varen Spire, like which came, which came first, what what uh, or the know, Var- right. Varen Guard? What is what is Varen in this in this case? Um, neither here nor there. Uh, all right, and then so we've we've done the past, we've done the present. Now let's do, we can do a little speculation if you guys want, if we got time for it. Um, 
because everybody knows the mortal realms loves a good scry. But uh, where do where do we think the the story's going to go from here? Does anybody have any good uh, good juicy um, predictions here? Take it away, Paven. Oh sure. Well, one uh, kind of within the book itself is a gimme, which is uh, that they want to use they're using the the Varanite to build like engines of war and the. Um, the uh, the chaos Duradin that have been found in the eight points and that are that that we know have like kind of cities and and and, and territories within the eight points uh, are building those for Archaon. So I think they're going to play a big role, possibly in even the invasion of Azir. Um, I've heard rumors that way. So I think like we're definitely getting some uh, chaos Duradin. Um, they've been mentioned since like Warcry uh, version one in the book as like uh, NPCs you would interact with. Um, so I think I, I would, that would be my first scry is that they're going to be involved and they're going to be a, a, a release in a range at some point. Um, I'll, I'll pause right there. So um, actually, speaking of chaos, Duarte, uh, uh, um, a listener was asking was asking about that. So I sh- we should probably bring that up. So uh, Lichcasts, a patron of the Mortal Realms, thank you very much, Lichcast. Lich yes, uh, any sign or hints of the Chorfs, as we all know, meaning the Chaos Dwarfs? Um, so. Your your guess is that we're gonna go we're gonna head in that direction. Remind me, guys, did you, were, were there uh, were there mention of the, those Dwarden in this book at all? I jumped around quite a bit, and I don't remember them specifically being brought be brought up in this book. But I just might have missed it. Um, do you, do we know if it's in this story or in this book at all? Yeah, well, it, when they bring out Krath um, uh, specifically, they mentioned that the machinery used to mine uh, the the Varanite was Duradin forged. Oh, nice. So they eventually, maybe we'll talk about this later, bound demons to them. Uh, but like the original kind of mecha- mechanisms were, were from Durden. Uh, Which makes sense and doesn't surprise me at all. I wish I had a digital, I was going to, I was literally going to try and control F if I would have had a digital version of it to see uh, if there were any chaos dwarves in there. Um, but there's no such luck. Um, all right. You said, Pippin, you said that was your first uh, scry. Do, do you have additional scries or do we want to ask Josh? Uh, I, well, my other scry, I, well, I think we should ask Josh first. Okay. Josh. Hey, <laughs> Josh, what, where do you, where do you think we're headed here? Um, well, first I'll say that there are spoilers. I'm going to mention some things that are described in the branching quests and conclusions. So just, uh, I won't get too detailed, but, but a few of the quests, um, allude to the current storyline in terms of heir of the beast, but, uh, there are a couple of them do mention, uh, shadowy powers, influencing decisions, and in one of the quests, there's this group of shadow stalkers that are trying to thwart um, a Canite worshiper from trying to ascend, just like Marathi did. And um, when they uh, take off with the Varanite at the end of the of the particular quest, they leave some behind, but they also leave a dagger that's inscribed with Ugu's Shadow King's symbol. So sent by Malarian, you know, so these shadow stalkers are working for Malarian and not for Marathi. So, you know, there are a few different shadowy references, you know, one shadowy power could be Bellacor, but, you know, so it could be Bellacor, it could be Malarian, and, I, you know, I think Ulgu, Ulgu elves and Malarian are probably going to play a, a role in some of the futures come through. I love that, Scry, and I, I agree with you. When I when I read the, the little story that you're, you're mentioning about the... Um the, the Shadow King uh, knife or dagger that left behind. It, it's I think they're they're drip they're, they're drip feeding us now 
to get us ready because I, I think it's it's a glaring. Obviously, it's one it's one of the few holes left in the ranges, right? Is the the shadow elves, and so it's um, we, we've known for a long time. It's only a matter of time. So the fact that we're get we're getting these hints now is really getting me ramped up. Um, and I'm not even a big dark elves guy, but uh, at this point, I just love completing sets. So uh, <laughs> bring them on. Um, so that that I'm excited uh, about as well, and then. Um, if we're just talking about other players in the, in the space, I, I'm, I'm jazzed uh, to see what Gordrek has to do, uh, what, what he's going to be up to uh, in the eight points. Um, I think I remember, remember back to our Kragnos discussion. I feel like I was uh, wholly on Team Gordrak uh, at that point. Um, he's he, he's taking control and he's taking charge in, uh, in the eight points, and he's he's gonna um, he's gonna crack some skulls because he's got to basically he's got some making up to do. Uh, he's he's done some soul searching and. Uh, he's ready to uh, reassert his dominance, and I think it's, we're ripe for something very neat uh, in, in in this space. Yeah, and he's off to challenge Archeon, right? Yeah, but head, head butt that nerd. Uh, yeah, I love uh, the the scries both of you had. I definitely uh, that that uh, find of uh, the Shadow King of Ugu was very cool. Uh, and I'm just waiting for Gordrak's redemption arc. I really need a like, oh, how, uh, you know, how get him to get his groove back or the wall was inside of him all along. <laughs> uh, really, you know, after kind of the beating he took in Kragnos, I'm ready for him to like, uh, he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, so the, I think a lot of the stuff we talked about has been on, on a much grander scale. Um we had uh, another question from Thundercake that uh, he asked here. He asked um, anything in the Red Harvest lore that points to the next box. And so let me let me let me modify that question or, or clarify that question in terms of what I'm interested in, <laughs> because that's what's important <laughs> is what I, is what I want. And that like it, we in Catacombs we didn't necessarily predict that the the Red Harvest would be sort of the direction that we were going. But it's also we didn't necessarily know that we we weren't looking for what the next thing was, at least in my mind. Now that we kind of know, when we go from catacombs to red harvest, do you guys have any predictions on uh, where the story could go on the smaller scale or on the, like the war, war cry scale, right? Cause they were, they were not concerned with the big movers and shakers of the world. You know, it's, it's the interpersonal stories at this level. Um, where do you guys either expect it to go or where do you want to go um, at the, again, the, the war band sized uh, space? Um, I, I don't know we don't have the nothing in Red Harvest really like screamed to me like, oh, this is obviously going to be the next set kind of similar to uh, how Catacombs didn't, as you mentioned, the uh, they could take it in any direction, really. I really would like them to take it into out of the eight points. I think that could be like really fresh and refreshing just to see something like a different non corrupted or non-completely corrupted uh, environment to battle in. Uh, so that would be, that would be my, like what, like uh, let's say Archeon busts open the gate of his ear and now like, you know, uh, chaos is now rules like a big se- section of the lore of, uh, the, not the lore of heavens, but the uh, realm of heaven. For eighth edition yeah. of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I was trying to call down some Cassandra's comment. Uh, but uh, the, yeah, a big section of the realm of heavens. And so it's like half, idyllic and beautiful and half corrupted and like have like and now there's like war bands just roaming the countryside uh battling it out there um, that would be cool that would be cool. wild that's wild yeah josh you have any hopes and dreams um you know i haven't thought about that i mean i, I love the idea of using the Warcry rule sets and everything outside of the the eight points as well um 
you know, and I think it'd be fun to have some more cities and different types of campaigns. I know some people like shot, you know, Soroth core, but still wanted something more Mordheim-esque, you know, so if they came out with a campaign system, you know, maybe we're delving deeper and closer to the Varen Spire and some ruined industrial complexes and cities that, you know, we could introduce a more in-depth detailed set or something like that. Or maybe we head back to, you know, the in-between realms. That would be kind of interesting, too. Yeah, right on. Um, I agree. I like the idea of, of um, pull, uh, pulling up stakes from the eight points and, and venturing to parts unknown. However, given that the Bloodwind spoils is just one uh, pizza slice of right. um, the eight points as a whole, I... I wonder if they would be more inclined to just shift one to the left, one to the right, you know, pick a different slice and uh, explore a space still in the eight points that maybe is, you know, different but the same. I wonder if they would be more interested in doing I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe yeah. we have to interview them. I haven't asked them, but I'd be curious to see uh, how that how that would look. The thing is, is like the eight points is already so wild and varied in that like it's just – Oh, every version of corruption you can think of exists in this space. And so like maybe they can get creative while keeping their foot in the corrupted, um, you know, uh, I don't want to keep using the word space um, in the corrupted milieu, um, perhaps. Uh, that's that's what I expect. I would uh-huh. I'm with you guys, though, in preferring that like, yeah, let's just let's just skip the whole thing entirely. Let's let's ransack a Nazarian city or something like that. I think that would be uh, very neat. Um, but let's see where they see where they go. I definitely thought when they were dabbling with the ooh, the canine shadow stalkers. Yep. Mark? Um, that, that they were going to, you know, they were going to sort of ditch the, the chaos um, sort of shackles a little bit and expand out. Uh, but then here we are, we've turned right back around and, and dove right back into chaos. So I have no idea uh, what they plan on doing or where they plan on going with this. So right, right. I do like the pie slice idea, though, shifting, you know, one to the left, one to the right, you know, and, and see, you know, maybe there's terrain or, or cities more related to that particular realm gate that kind of shift the, the, the narrative a little bit. That Actually, fun. that that would be super cool. However, the fact that the the one we're in right now doesn't seem to have, any, at least from to my mind, doesn't have all that much to do with because what is it? it's between Shaman and and Gur and Gur. Is it is it? Are we getting really Shaman Gur vibes out of this slice? Yeah, maybe with the industry. I guess that's kind of got, yeah. We got a little bit more now, right? Yeah, too. yeah, that's true. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point because then wouldn't that be cool for every pie slice you go through that like the the environment is. What what is the mixture of uh, I don't know you know life and fire and chaos? Add, add those three together, and what does that look like? That would be neat um, to see. Yeah. Uh, like, well, but, but I think the the pie slice to the right is I think it's Gyran, right? Because that's where the they came in with Marathi and the Stormhost. So that, you know that that one's essentially open and guarded too. So that would add a, a different element that you might have to worry about. Yeah, true. Um, let's get him on the horn. Let's ask him what's, what's coming up. Um, right, right. <laughs> uh, all right. So with that, I got through the questions that people were asking. Um, do you guys have any story-based thoughts that you want to chat about here? The floor is open. I feel like we covered we covered it as far as story goes. Yep. I think so, too. Um, in that case, just it's next on the list. Uh, and, and for no particular reason, uh, we've, we also have a pair of new war bands that might be worth uh, chatting about. Um, I'm into them. I hope you guys are into them. Um, so let's dive right in. So uh, we've got Dark Oath listed first, unless anybody objects, but we can, we can start chatting about these guys. 
Perfect. Sounds great. Awesome. So for the person who's, uh, who's, who's putting together the Darko, Josh, you want to tell us about them? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the, the Dark Oath are essentially a faction we keep getting, you know, individual models for, and then we got an Underworlds Warband, and, you know, now we've got more models. So hopefully they will be a faction unto themselves. A lot of people think the Marauders will become the Dark Oath, um, but they're essentially undivided chaos worshippers, a group of humans who have um, you know, made an oath to chaos uh, to follow them, and, and they're focused on victory and attaining glory and proving themselves. And in this particular war band, they, you know, whatever oaths you make, they will follow and they will do it until it's done. And, um, you know, and they're focused on challenging themselves and attaining glory. Very nice uh, kind of, not really barbarian-esque, but a little bit since they designed a model that looked very similar to Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> kind of hails back to some previous models in HeroQuest. So uh, a, lot, a lot of fun uh, throwbacks there. And uh, the models have a lot of furs and bones and uh, muscles and skin. So yeah, kind of definitely have that Dark Oath Barbarian. And they fit well with the with the War Queen and the, uh, the Dark Oath Chieftain that they had released a while back too. Yeah, good job naming them. Um, I, I have a, a comment and I have a question. Comment. Um, I was dis- despondent. I was I was beside myself when I thought, you know what, the Dark Oath are done. After I think it was the it was the, uh, the, war, the no, Underworlds. Yeah, the, it was the Underworlds was the it was the last sort of release there, and I thought, all right, you know what, they're going in a different direction. I see what what they've got going with Warcry. Um, the, the Dark Oath doesn't necessarily align with that concept per se. So, like, it was a fun little experiment, but we're not going to see these guys again. What a wait! What what wasted potential? Uh, but now I have new hope. They released these this new Warband. I can see that they still they 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 still have a place uh, in you know sort of the. the I was going to say the pantheon, not the pantheon, the range um, of, of chaos. And uh, I was so delighted to see them brought back. And if, at the very least, if they're not, you know, if it's not a brand new faction, with the way that, and I use this term endearingly, I don't have a problem with this idea, with the way that they're souping battle tomes and sort of subdividing a lot of these battle tomes into, you know, parceling out like sub races and sub factions and some, you know, some alliances in these books. Uh, there's, I see no reason why Dark Oath can't serve that same purpose in the Slaves to Dark, uh, Slaves to Darkness range. Um, and I hope, I hope to see a lot more. So that's my comment. My question, however, how do you guys feel with the Dark Oath Savagers and the, oh my gosh, I don't do Warcry stuff, the beast, the untamed beasts sort of side by side, too close, sufficiently separated? Um, does that rub you the wrong way at all? No, good question. Um, I think, you know, aesthetically, the the untamed beasts have, you know, they don't use metal at all. So that distinguishes the two of them very clearly. So one's got bones, they have a lot more bone weapons, they have more decorations on their heads. Um, and, um, even though they're all, you know, have furs and they're a little bit more muscular and skinned, the, the Dark Oath models are all larger. You know, there aren't any, um, younger aspirants or anything in this particular warband. And then again, that they're all using, uh, metal weapons and they have the one, I don't know, sightseer, the shamanistic lady, which is oh, yeah. a fun addition. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she, she casts some spells, can predict the future, give you some wild dice. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like the the blind guide. There's, in, in one way, and I, I did do this model, she's got a hand that holds an eyeball, just like Ogra from the Dark Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very cool. So it seems like it doesn't bother you. Pavin, do you have any thoughts about the proximity between untamed beasts and the, the savagers? Uh, not the untamed beasts. Ooh, different direction. Fire tyrants. Uh, fire tyrants don't have that kind of, uh, like, they're not from, like, uh, the untamed beasts are from Gur. So they're very, uh, and they have like a you know that weird lion uh, with them, and so they have a more animalistic bent, uh, as Josh mentioned. And so I think they have a strong theme. Uh, the Spire Tyrants are gladiators; that is their theme, but aesthetically, kind of very similar to the Dark Oath. I think the Dark Oath come out on top as far as uh, miniatures, uh, but I think we, I don't think we needed two non-realm war bands that I don't uh, that didn't do something super weird. I guess they weren't weird enough either of them. I don't know. I think it's fine. They're all cool models. I don't know. Uh but I think like yeah, those two are too similar a little bit. They kind of exist in the same space. Yeah, that's true. It's it's kind of like a it's a gradient. You go from like untamed beasts to dark oath to uh spire tyrants in my mind. Um yeah. So it's an evolution. Maybe like one goes from the next, like one, like a, a beast, like discovers, hey, and this metal's pretty cool. And then they become a dark oath and they're like, wait a sec, I'm going to go fight in the pits. Um, that's my own headcanon. Um, Josh, do you have a response? No, no, I think that's a, that is a good point. Uh, I think, um, Obviously, narratively, they have very different, you know, one's a gladiatorial war band, which is why they have mixed races in it as well, which is kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think Paven's right in terms of, you know, how much armor they've got, the sorts of weapons and mixes. You know, they can be similar in some respects. But, yeah, I think it's the ideology that definitely separates the two. Yeah. And I think maybe the only reason or the reason I even bring this up in the first place is that Warcry does such a great job. I mean, specifically with with their warbands by uh, at introducing the wild and the weird into this space. And so they've for so many of the other ones, they've gone just sort of off. They've gone off the deep end, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they, they've they've really uh, pushed the boundary on what, you know, what they're capable of doing in these models. And at the same time, there are these like a couple examples that we just talked about of, of very similarities where they didn't need to, they didn't need to necessarily do that. They could have gone, you know, in a completely, uh, completely different direction. And so, um, I, I think that that similarity stands out, like the uniformity is what stands out compared to, you know, the, 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 the wildness of some of the other ones. Um, yeah, and I think uh, one of the appeals of Dark Oath in general for uh, I've seen for a lot of people is the fact that, okay, it, it kind of helps answer the question, what happened to humans during the Age of Chaos? Well, mm-hmm. this is what happened to humans. And, and if, uh, if, if you've read the book War Queen, it does a really nice kind of description of, you know, it talks about a War Queen and her role in, in the Dark Oath war band. And, but it talks about how they live and what they do and, you know, how they fit into the realm of, you know, during the Age of Chaos, but still... Are, are people, you know, so I think this kind of lends that particular information in terms of these are undivided worshippers of chaos. They're relatively, you know, still human, you know, and they just have a pantheon of gods that they worship, you know, just like Orderwood or something else. But, but it's, you know, I think in that, that way, it kind of adds that interest and, and answers some questions for people. Yeah. Agreed. But I think in terms of weird and wild, definitely coming up to our next war band here. Yeah, that's like true. Brood. Let's talk about the tarantulas brood. Uh, Paven, you want you want to chat about your spider dudes? Yeah. So my Spider Man are a bunch of weird boys uh, and and gals. Uh, yeah, they're they're for sure creeps. Uh, what they want to do? Well, so you know their version of chaos is a giant spider 
that is poisoning the realms and stabbing it with its legs. And do spiders stab things with their legs? Does that even ever happen? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, not, but not really, really yeah. horrible uh, kind of uh, chaos as a spider, which you thought chaos was bad. Wait till it's a spider. Um, Cause you know, it, you know, eight points, eight eyes, eight legs, like coincidence. It basically so, writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, yeah. And so they really, they really into spiders. They have like kind of spider, like, uh, I wouldn't say familiars, maybe familiars, but they like, they hang out with a lot of spiders. They have like spiders, the size of dogs that they kind of interface with and, and, and join the war band. And what they're trying to do, which is the worst part is that they're trying to turn themselves into spiders. Um, cause they think that would be the best way to worship chaos is to turn themselves into giant monstrous spiders. So they're, experimenting on themselves using magic and science and just um, uh, surgery to transform. Yeah. To like give themselves extra arms and more eyes and, you know, to try to take the perfect form of a chaos spider. And um, you know what? Varanite, one of the things it's really great for is uncontrollable mutations. And so Varanite is key to these dark experiments. Um, so, uh, they're trying to gather it to like, some, <laughs> I don't know, get all oiled up with it and grow a bunch of extra arms and, uh, do it that way. So their, their miniature line is a bunch of creeps. Yeah. Real creepy. So, I mean, I think, I feel like there's been plenty of stories of, uh, people who wanted to be Spider-Man messing with, uh, radioactive <laughs> spiders. I mean, this is just the, the Warhammer version of that, um, this is what they don't tell you. <laughs> this is how this is how Spider Man was made. Yeah. Uh, Josh, do you have any anything you want to add to our tarantulas brood? Yeah, no, I think the the concept of the eightfold watcher is, is a fun one. Um, you know, especially with all the correlations to eight pointed star realms and everything else. And um, some of the they have some interesting lore where they talk about having uh, a gestalt, psychic gestalt. You know, so they all sort of communicate with each other or connected to each other and the spiders that follow them, you know, so it's definitely like an insect brood of some sort where there's this subliminal psychic co communication that's ongoing within sword bands. And that, that's a kind of a neat concept that we haven't really seen. You, you expect that maybe with like a Zinchian war band or something, but here they kind of point that out. And it, it certainly seems interesting. And uh, some of the questions that are related to them are all about capturing people to do experiments to you know help help them ascend <laughs> so, they're so generous they're so kind of them i know right so they can learn from it and help them then use the information on themselves yes <laughs> um you you mentioned that something you'd some of the stuff you'd expect out of a zinchian war band but like to some degree we don't know that this isn't a zinchian war band right like it's not really talked about in this book but i think one of the themes like og war cry was that right. a lot of these uh, Warcry war band and chaos war bands are worshiping their own sort of deities and pantheons, not really understanding that, like, you know, maybe what they're worshiping is, is a stand in for a chaos god that they just don't know that well. Um, and so, like, if I were to, if I, you know, gun to my head, if I had to pick what chaos god most emulates the, um, the, Spider God, well, it seems very Zinchian, right? He's got his he's got his yeah. webs. He's you know he's he's weaving all sorts of plots. He's got his he's got a foot in each realm kind of thing. Um, so like change, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yep, exactly, change. That's a great idea. Um, so yeah. so that maybe they are worshiping Zinch, they just don't don't realize it. Um, before Warcry, I 
didn't realize how much I needed animal-based chaos factions. But uh, now that we keep getting them, I'm, I'm all about it. And I'm glad that they're doing it. We've got our snakes. We've got our, is it crows or ravens? Um, yeah. And now we've got our spiders here as well. Uh, that's just, it just keep them coming. Find the creepiest and crawliest of creatures and then slap a warband on them and I'm, and I'm here for it. Uh, oh, we had that uh, scorpion symbol in, you know, in catacombs. You know, maybe there's a scorpion-based warband out there still. That's I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, continue <laughs> with our Spider-Man villains as well. Um, a, a question from the Discord. Will Lawless, also a patron, thank you very much, Will, um, he asks, uh, how localized are the Tarantulas peeps? Um, I'll, I'll preface that with a lot of, not all, but many of our Warcry cast warbands, they hail from a given mortal realm that, you know, not the eight points, but they come from, you know, Gyran or Gur or what have you. Um, I, I didn't get a sense of if or where any uh, any uh, tarantulas folks like hailed from, did they did they just get their start from the eight points, or do they do they have an affinity to anywhere else? Do you guys did you guys pick up anything pick up on anything uh, like that in the book? Um, I, I'll just say that for both both war bands in this box set, the Darko Savagers and Tarantulas Brood don't have any reference to any realm that they come from. Um, I, I definitely think for the Darko Savagers, they could come from anywhere because there are humans worshiping chaos across the realms. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, but they didn't they didn't mention specifically that Tarantulas Brood is localized only here. But that's quite possible because that's where the Varanite is. But they, they do allude to other techniques that they use to ascend. What about your thoughts, Paven? Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen anything specifically that put him in a place. Um, yeah, I think it could be anywhere. I, I, you know, we haven't heard of them before, but I, you know, there could be pockets of this weird uh, chaos cult anywhere in the realms. Maybe right behind you. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I agree with that being the case. However, I, I, I kind of miss. I, I liked the idea of like the each of the bands kind of like hailing from a realm. Um, now that we've covered all of them. Besides Azir, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm bummed that we might like lose some of that like pattern and trend. I thought, uh, again, like with the Canaanite uh, forces that they were going to do another round, you know, maybe from an order perspective. I feel, I feel like everybody was talking about that for a while, thinking that was the direction that we went. But mm -hmm. uh, nope, throw me, threw me off, threw me off the scent. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I really liked that they tried to talk like each of the warbands were from a like kind of devolved culture. Like, you know, there was a version of the, um, the, what was the, the Gyran one? Uh, the, the Splintered Fang. There you go. Uh, yeah, there was like a version of the Splintered Fang that, that worshiped the God Beast that didn't actually worship Chaos and that they were like a kind of a regular, um, uh, kind of a tribal group within the within Gyran, and that they but they fell to chaos, and you could kind of see that uh, in the miniature range and like the way they're described in the narrative. And I feel like they weren't so specific uh, with the Dark Oath in the Tarantulas uh, or Tarantulos, uh, and I, I kind of miss it. I like I like it when things are really specific, yeah. Um, or in, in if they just give us an example of a kind of a coven or a sect of the tarantulas that was, that came, that, you know, came out of Ulgu or something um, that was like, you know, out of the, de the decaying corpse of a civilization, they like kind of spring up. I think that'd been really cool. So I hope they do more of that. I agree wholeheartedly. I'm right there with you. Um, any final thoughts about our two new war bands before we continue? No. 
Okay, awesome. All right, so then I think next, one of the the, one of the third and maybe final pillar of the, the lore in this year book is we've been presented with a wide range of quests uh, in this uh, here tome. Um, and maybe we could uh, chat about some of the, the fun things that we, we found uh, in those. Um, I guess maybe I'll start with, so, uh, and it's different, there's different types of quests uh, in this book as well. Um, because we've got our two new war bands, obviously they got to give us some quests for those war bands to go on um, for the Dark Oath and for the Tarantulas. Did anything from either of the the four quest lines for those war bands, did anything jump out at you guys or um, things you want to talk about for those? For those? Yeah, one of the Dark Oath quests is called Sundered Oaths. And um, again, oaths being extremely important to the Dark Oath, um, th- your war band is, is taking up the quest to go after an Oathbreaker shaman named Orax Ninetongue. Who was uh who promised to make seventy Varanite blades for the the seventy um Varenguard. And um so he, he essentially leaves and that they have to chase him down throughout the quest, but he reveals something interesting at the end of the quest line again, spoilers, which uh you know could allude to some future narrative bits in Warcry or or in AOS in general. But he says a shadowy power taught him or, or revealed to him that Varanite must not be disturbed by mortal hands, and that Archeon would suffer, and then everybody in Krath would f- would fall in time. You know, so it's well, somebody manipulating him to make him not make these weapons, or is there actually some further deeper story with Varanite and something bad's going to happen in the eight points because it's been digging up and it's destabilizing the the, the mini realm or or what what might happen? And uh, so uh, I thought that was a kind of a neat. Uh, reveal that you know maybe turns into something maybe not yeah i agree you know when we were asking before like where do we think this is going to go are there any hints in the in the book and we were like eh, not really it's not necessarily clear well i mean you could maybe consider this one of those like this could be a, a consideration as to what what then happens next especially if like the the thread of war cry like follows you know veronite it's like the story right. of veronite like i mean yep. maybe that would be the next logical uh, uh event to occur so yeah that is it was really neat um, Paven, did you have any uh, quests here? Anything out in these these quests that jumped out at you? Uh, nothing that jumped out at me. Besides what Josh already mentioned, the shadowy power. My my money. Uh, I think the easy money is on Bellicor, just trying to subvert Archeon. Uh, but it could be something else more weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the quests are good. They're pretty standard. Like, hey, go in, uh, fight a bunch of people, get some Varanite. I think they all have that through them. Nothing I really want to call out, at least for these four quests. Sure. Um, it occurs to me as I'm reading these notes, I've got a listener question that really belonged up in the warband section that I forgot to ask. So I'm going to have to ask it right now. Sorry, tough ghost. Um, but because uh, uh, they ask, is there any mention of this is a non sequitur. I apologize. Uh, is there any mention of non-human members of either warband? Uh, do you think that we'll see more mixed species warbands released for Warcry? So again, this makes more sense up above. But um, I don't remember any mention of non-human members of the warband, unless you consider the sna- uh, spider people no longer human at this point. But um, <laughs> well, and the spiders themselves, I suppose, right? They've got the spiders in the warband, but right, right. But both of them are pretty human-based, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the only mixed species. Well, we've got we've got a couple. We've got the the spire tyrants. That, that, that one's quite mixed. Uh, the what the iron golems have a chaos dwarf and an ogre. And, um, the splinter fang have a an elf. Yep, 
And um, but yeah, those are the only mixed ones that I'm aware of. I don't. These don't have any besides the spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if they'll you know what they might introduce in the future. I think. It, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I really hope they do more. I think that's more. That's really interesting when it's uh, kind of a because chaos is cross cultural. It's a very. Um, it's a growing. It's a growing religion. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I like to see that manifested in miniatures, and I hope they do more more of that. I think they will. Uh, they just they didn't pursue that for these two war bands. Yeah, so I no, I agree uh, that where I I do expect and hope that we will see more mixed species war bands because it gives you opportunity to like re envision like what it means to be an elf or an ogre or like whatever just whatever the next thing is right like maybe they could come up with uh, uh, they drop a skaven in a war band or I'm just looking at my wall with the pictures on it like or they drop a corrupted sylvaneth no that's probably not going to happen but like just generally it. it I had mentioned before about how wild they can get with some of these war bands. I think uh, that is that is going to be the hallmark of things going forward. Like that, this Warcry is the space where you know you can drop all sorts of wacky, crazy stuff. Yeah, definitely. All about it. All right, so uh, we talked about the sort of faction specific quests. They also introduced these branching quests uh, into. Uh, Red Harvest, which is to say it's no longer a single route to glory. The path is no longer uh, uh, a one one track, but rather you can you can pick and choose how you reach the the top of the pecking order, so to speak. Um, and so they for each uh, Grand Alliance, they, they give you this branching quest line, which is actually pretty cool. You get some choice, you get some options. Um, did anything in, in these uh, quests jump out at you guys in terms of uh, stuff that our listeners need to know about? Um, I'll just mention as a as a general statement. I thought it was a pretty interesting addition because the faded quest that they'd added before, you could you would have two options at the end, you know, and that kind of determined what what uh, reward you got. But yeah, this is quite different where you have you have the quest and then you're you're given a choose your own adventure story. Like oh, you've got three paths to go down, and some of them even branch one more time. You've got two choices off of that one. So I, I thought that was a, a really nice addition where you can continue to make different choices based on your narrative and on the same quest as somebody else. I thought that was a really neat addition. So. Yeah, I agree. It's very, um, so they used to do something similar. They had a little campaign, I don't, or I don't know what you'd call them, but in Warhammer Fantasy, like towards the end there, they released a, a bunch of like, you would, you would, I don't know. You had your own little campaign that you would do, and you, it would branch off in different directions. It wasn't exactly the same setup, but like they've explored that space before. And I'm glad to see them uh, circle back to it, however many years uh, later. So that was was pretty neat. Uh, one one thing I like that I've been seeing in these quests, and we already mentioned, kind of the elf subplot to the chaos quest, which is really cool. Uh, when, um, uh, well, yeah, I guess I'll spoil it a little bit. At the end of one of them, uh, you're trying to ha- help, uh, as Josh mentioned before, an agent of Marathi, or not an agent of Marathi, but a uh, just a regular kind of uh, daughter of Cain, try to follow in Marathi's footsteps and also uh, pursue ascension. Uh, so she gathers a bunch of Varanite uh, into like a you know a, a cauldron of blood and jumps in. And as you can imagine, she just like turns into like a, a complete monster, and it doesn't work at all. And like the whole quest is like. Yeah, you're pretty sure this isn't going to work, but you know, whatever. Yeah, so, yep. <laughs> that was a really cool one. Um, and uh, and but you also there's a lot of these. I always like when you interact with interesting characters because it gives you like a little bit, you know, more insight into what's going on. Because um, you don't often see like NPCs in Warhammer, right? That's <laughs> true. So, yeah, 
the uh and so you get to also like entreat you can you have an option of like working with skaven as well and i don't know we didn't get a lot of i think this is not the first mention of skaven in the eight points but we don't get a lot of mention of him so it's cool to see you know your warband working with a master molder to you know use the veronite to make really gross skaven stuff uh so that's cool yeah green um i like the order question because a lot of that is based off of like sabotaging the machines and so it really brings in the the really cool terrain from this box set in, into play um, yeah. in that, like, I think I mean, we haven't really even talked about it all that much, but like with this mining of the Varanite comes awesome terrain, which is a, uh, again, a, one of the major selling factors of, of Warcry. Um, and so I liked the idea. I, I don't ever get to play all that much, but like I do like these storylines that are really integrating the, the terrain on which you're, you know, you're playing with. So like they're, they're sort of, they go hand in hand. And so because of that, you're going to be sabotaging the, 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 what are like the sluices or the, you know, the pumps yeah. and stuff like that. So um, that it's very ordery uh, in, in this space. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I think the destruction and death quests for are, are interesting because again, they kind of tell the story of, all right, well, these factions are in the eight points what are they actually doing here? And so the destruction one, as you imagine, is, is somewhat chaotic where you're the, the person, your war band, apparently you lost your boss's your lucky bone charm in a squig, ate it and ran away and you're going to go chase it down. But <laughs> in terms of that, then, then you like, then the branching quest starts up and you're like, Oh, I can continue to chase in the squig or maybe I'll go find some artifacts or maybe I got to stop these people from collecting this stuff. You know, So kind of branches out from there. Yeah. There's a lot of funny, uh, forgetting what you were doing in that quest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was like, <laughs> that was a great little tidbit at the end of that one. <laughs> well, I like the idea, I like the idea that it, it, you know, highlights that people aren't just, the both destruction and death aren't just twiddling their thumbs now that they've made, what is it, egress into the, into the, the realm. Like, it, there, there, right. there are things to be done and, you know, quests to, you know, accomplish. Um, Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah, for death, they're they're all about. Well, we got to fi- figure out what this Varanite stuff is, so we know how to counter it and whatever else. And and then the, it, it kind of alludes to you know death not being immune to it, and so they got to figure out how to handle it appropriately, and or find somebody with the information and how to handle it, or just bring some material back for study. So it, definitely some kind of fun uh, insight into how those factions view Varanite and what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I think that covers again, I'm, I'm, I just made up these three pillars, but the three pillars of this, of this here book. Um, however, there's a couple other questions that have come in or things that we can talk about, uh, yet. Um, let me start with a question from another question from Thundercake. Thank you, Thundercake for all your questions. Um, and, to your listener, if you yourself want to ask questions uh, on the Moral Realms, I'll tell you what you got to do. You got to hang out in our Discord server, which is found at www.themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Hang out there all day, every day. Uh, and then just hope that one day I ask, hey, we're going to record an episode tonight. Would you like to ask any questions? And there's your chance. It's not a trick. You can just do it. Um, and Thundercake asked, uh, any other war bands hinted at in the lore? Um Let's start there. Uh, did you guys get it? Did you get any whiffs of any potential warbands uh, in this here book? Yeah, I think just the allusion to uh, shadow stalkers working for Malarion were the was the big one I saw, or some sort of shadowy elf working for Malarion. Anyway, yeah, good good hint. Um, I didn't see any others. Paven, did you see anything in there? No, we we got. I feel like we got more hints in catacombs, at least with wild symbols. We didn't know what they meant uh, mm-hmm. than we did here. 
so uh, yeah, no, I mean, Skaven are mentioned, dwarves are mentioned, or chaos dwarves are mentioned, uh, but otherwise, no warband. Um, this isn't what he was asking, but I thought one of the cool parts of the book was um, that there were a number of like sidebar. Um, like named characters that they just give you yeah. little little blurbs on, but it was neat because they give you just little little folks I'd never heard of before, and, and not even just in the Chaos Warbands, but in, you know there was a Stormcast in there and and, and uh, uh, Knight, um Shadowstalker in there too. Um, so they're not new Warbands per se, but it's it's uh, you know new characters that um, you know we just got a little bit of background on or you know a little bit of, like a pull quote from them um which uh, i thought was a, a nice a nice touch i like when they do stuff like that yeah little cameos they're pretty cool yeah agreed um so that's pretty cool uh did you guys have any other things you wanted to talk about other points of interest the things uh we're chatting about yeah the one other point of interest they, they mentioned two veronite delves in, in red harvest they you know again craft and then Steel Hells. And Steel Hells, they don't really talk about at all further in the book. They're just a little blurb in the map that talks about it being occupied with these machine entities wandering in the darkness. So either the demonic machines or, you know, maybe they were made to be mining machines, but now they walk around and dominate the delves. So, you know, I thought it was really interesting. It'd be fun to come up with some scenarios where you have wandering monsters and there are all these machines that are wandering around the delve that you've got to deal with in addition to the normal quests. Yeah, a clockwork chaos faction would be really right. <laughs> right. Demonic machine chaos faction. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, that was a lot of what chaos dwarfs were, were right? Like, they weren't, right. weren't a lot of their war machines, like, possessed or somewhere, like, demonic war machines? Maybe I made that up, but I thought that was, like, there was that train. That must have been a demon train ahead to have been. Um, it's very scary. Uh <laughs> Paven, anything you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think for uh, like four full pages of lore, which is kind of what the start of this book is, I think we've got a pretty solid podcast out of it. Yeah, we sure did. We're only at like an hour at this point. I'm used to my three hour. We, we got we to pad this baby. Um, and, and to that end, actually, while we've been recording, uh, Lichcast, patron of the show, and since he's a patron, I got to bring this up. He asked another question. That's why we, we do this live, man. Like it just off the cuff. Um, he had asked, uh, what's Arcan doing now that he's done calling people forever choosing? Um, did we we kind of talked about what he's up to right his goal being that he's collecting the yeah. the the veronite right so that's all the book really hints at um but now that a lot of people are beating down his door i imagine we're gonna get a lot more arcan uh real soon so stay tuned yeah. for that and i don't think he's ever done ever choosing yeah i think he's, there's a, the call is always out there like the bat signal <laughs> a, abc always be choosing um arcan uh and then finally last thing i want to chat about is we should probably give a, a final i don't know review our final thoughts on the book um what uh what did we what did we think about actually first of all let's say um uh, we, we should probably thank GW for sending us a copy, and by us, I mean you guys, uh, a copy of Red Harvest. It's mighty yeah. kind of you. Um, but this is this is an un, this what I want from you guys is an unbiased uh, review of at least the lore uh, of of the the expansion. Um, mm -hmm. What did you guys think? I'll start with Josh. Um, I thought the the lore was fun. It was kind of fun to see how it evolved from Varanthax's Maw and how it incorporated the ongoing AOS storyline. I thought that was nice. Um, the two new warbands are really cool. You know, one kind of a generic in the world 
these are normal people now in the chaos realms. This is how they work. And then a wildly off the cuff, you know, mutative, you know, war band. I thought those are awesome. And I think that adds a lot of fun lore to this. Uh, in addition to the branching quest, which I thought was a nice touch for the choosing your own adventure paths. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do more branching, branching quests. I think they probably should. Um, mm -hmm. And also, I said unbiased, Josh. Come on, man. Uh, I kid. Pay my you? own box. Because yeah, I, I gave you one. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> uh, me, me too. I'm still waiting for my box. Um, Payment, like uh, what, what, what did you think of it? I give it six out of eight fold watchers. Oh, there you go. That's how we're supposed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a moral realms listener right there. Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I guess seriously, uh, good book, good starter set. Wasn't necessarily like a 10 out of 10 lore book for me. It was a little like light on the lore and didn't, mm -hmm. it was it was a continuation of an existing story and I'm always hungry for like twists and turns. Uh, but yeah, good book. Uh, if you haven't gotten to War, war Cry yet, this is, a, this is a really great set. And I think the only starter set that's available. So, uh, yeah, pick it up. Catacombs is done? Yeah, it must be. Actually, yeah, that sounds right. Um, well, you might be able to find some copies other places, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's out of print. If if you want it, you better start looking for it now. Um, let's think. I, I wasn't going to do a number, but now I will. Um, and <laughs> I'll give it a two out of three uh, branching quest uh, paths. Um, <laughs> there you go. That doesn't quite do it. Two and a half out of three, I suppose. Um, uh, in that, I echo Pavin's sentiment. It was, it was, it was, it was good for what it was. Obviously, it was a little light, but I mean, it's not meant to be an exposition lore type uh, book. Um, my my problem with it is, is that it thematically it was really, really close to Catacombs. Like, yes, I understand it was a continuation of like the Catacombs story, but like at the end of the day, this is still very much digging, mining. Uh, pulling up Veronite, the themes are very similar. Um, it, it's, it's, it seems like it's just Catacombs Part 2, uh, which is fine. Uh, but like Paven said, I, I agree with you completely. Um, I, I was hoping for a, a let's, let's zig, let's zag, let's, let's go to some new new places or, or deal with new uh, concepts, um, which we'll, we'll get there. I'm sure the next one will or the, the one after that. So uh, I understand why the book is what it is. Um, but I still recommend it. And if it's the only one out there, I recommend Warcry. So uh, you got to do what you got to do. And the Sluices. Sluices? Sluices? I think those are cool as heck. Sluices. Sluices. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we close her out? No. Oh, no, thank you. Because here we go. It's time for our forging. But Sigmar Willing will be back soon. Like, subscribe, share, or leave a review. Join us on Discord. Drop a tip on our Patreon. Anything you can do will spread the word of Sigmar farther than we can on our own. Chat with us anytime about your thoughts on Twitter at The Mortal Realms. And Paven, where can they find you online? On the Discord channel. Best place. Um, and Josh, where can they find you online? Uh, in the Discord channel or at J.E. Arrington on Twitter. Awesome. And I'm Aaron. You can find me at Dose Asos on Twitter. And you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. Calm. The end. Oh man, guys, it's going to be an hour and 11. This is going to be the easiest edit of my life, and I can't wait. I'm so jazzed. Assuming that I actually recorded, and I'm still kind of nervous that I didn't.